You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in a balmy Green Bay, Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, ready to talk a little ball this morning. Took the night off. Hopefully no one was too upset about it, but went out to dinner. And uh, then I woke up this morning and said, man, we're not going to make it by 9 o'clock. So. <laughs> it's funny, Tim, you take a little bit of time off and it's easy to take a little more time off. And now yep. you're late and it's just it's why I don't like to do vacations, man. But anyway, how you doing this morning, buddy? Doing good, man. You know, got a little dusting of snow up here and <laughs> enjoying the, uh, the beautiful winter weather, you know. Absolutely. Matter of fact, let's just lead off with that, man, going around. I think this was from last night. So this was, yeah, data as of 10 p.m. last night. Sturgeon Bay had 14 inches. For those of you who don't know that aren't in the Green Bay area, essentially you've got Green Bay that sits right there in the bay, right? And then you've got the peninsula that runs up to the northeast, and that's Door County. Sturgeon Bay's up there, right, Tim? Am I thinking right? It's up in that yep. area. It's yep. beautiful up there. It's actually where Curly Lambeau, I think, lived at the time of his death, if I remember correctly. But uh, then I think I'm saying this correct. Is it Alloway? Is that how you say that? Yep, Alloway. Nailed it. Um, 13 inches there. Stockbridge got 12. Green Bay was sitting at 11. But, Tim, these are these are faulty numbers now, aren't they, my friend? Uh, yeah, maybe. There might be a little skewed. Um, that's from last night. Um, we got a lot of drifts and stuff like that. There, There's a good shot right there, Paul Brettel. Yeah. So Paul Brettel's in Swamico. That's not far uh, from us, but yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with, you guys. Up to your up to your waist. Um, <laughs> He's looking into the abyss on this tweet. I love it. Yep. <laughs> and we've got like this morning here. We've got a few hours to like you know make the mad dash to clear your driveway and your sidewalks before all this stuff freezes. We'll have uh, we'll have below zero temperatures by this time tomorrow, probably. So yeah, that is good old good old Wisconsin winter weather, man. You got to love it. Yeah. Carly Ray in the chat says, uh, we only got about an inch and a half. I wanted more. Um, you wanted more? Are you nuts? Come on, Carly. <laughs> Carly, you can come do my driveway. Come shovel my driveway with me. <laughs> Jen Rock said, holy man, like five inches here in Milwaukee. We were talking about that off offline there, wasn't we, Tim? A little bit different up there in the Bay, isn't it, buddy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, le- I'm learning that. I'm uh, – getting my first winter here uh experience in in green bay and it's uh it's a different ball game up here that's for sure definitely number one packer fans fan said at the grocery store with the wife listening to pta trust me it helps the time go faster 
I like to throw a little earbud in with Mandy shopping too, man. I just, <laughs> uh, she's, I know she's thinking he's, he's usually in a bad mood when we're shopping. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm listening to somebody break down some tape or something or, or <laughs> a historical NFL documentary. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. I just, I don't know. I like, uh, I like the uh, the cold weather, the snow. Yeah, I mean, Carly hit the nail on the head. I love snow. So do my kids. It's, uh, I don't know, man. Ever since I was a kid, it was just something that was a blast, man. It takes you back, too. It takes you back. I remember those days, you know, getting snowed out of school and, and uh, you know, you, you're, you're up late waiting for them to call to cancel school, which canceling school down here is a lot different than it is up there. Obviously you guys got to have probably six feet of snow before they cancel. stuff. <laughs> but down here we were just like, give us a little dusting on the road, man, a little dusting. Then you break out the hot chocolate. We, the way we rolled was it was football. As soon as, as soon as the snow started to fly, the phone started ringing at the house. This is before cell phones. I'm dating myself here, but, uh, and it was just everybody in the neighborhood. Hey, let's go. What time are we playing? And get out there and play in the snow. You know, play football in the snow, man. It's just awesome. So good good stuff there. I'll tell you what else got out in the snow yesterday, Tim. It's QB1. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. That would have been yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, Allie Adams. I hope I'm saying that name right because it's got an E in it there. Um, but it's at Allie Kurowski. And uh, says, OMG, Jordan Love helping my niece out of a snowdrift. What can't he do? That's my quarterback with the uh It's my quarterback. <laughs> exactly. How cool is that? That's what's beautiful about Green Bay, man. Show me the picture of Justin Fields digging a car out for a for a fan, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like small town Green Bay. I remember the first time I went up there, ran into Nick Barnett. Just just I mean, I don't know, about a mile from the stadium. I, I told Manny, I'm like, man, I got this awesome spa day set up for you, hun. We're good to go. This is back when we were dating. Like, she's going all the way to Green Bay with me. I'm going to make it kind of, you know, her day mm-hmm. there. We rolled up in the parking lot. I went, it's Nick Barnett come out of the spot. I was just like, what the world? So, pretty cool stuff. Um, this is what you see in Green Bay, though, right? I know you had a little bit of an interaction with Emmanuel Wilson earlier this year, too, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the players are part of the part of the community up here. Um, you know, even guys that that don't live here, you know, year round or whatever, they're, they're, they're embedded in the community during the season. And, um, you know, I think um, Jordan helping this young lady out, that's just a, a testament to really who he is. And, and you know, obviously what, what the Packers are all about, you know, service and, and helping the community, of course. But I think it's just, you know, a shining example of Jordan Love just being a, a, a kid who was raised right by his parents and, um, you know, looks out for someone in need. And you, you love to see it, man. It's just proud that he's a Packer, grateful that he's going to be here for the long term. And uh, we got a lot of, a lot of guys like that on this team, I'm sure. Um, but really cool moment for that uh, for that young lady there, and uh, just Jordan showing his true colors, man. You know that's yeah. that's uh, what it's all about up here, man. And I think it was Andy Herman that tweeted it out too, and uh, I, he just couldn't have said it any better. He quoted Matt Lafleur just a few weeks ago when he said Jordan's about the right shit, right? Yeah. Like you can just tell, like you said, he he was raised right, man. And and you you've seen it when he was coming out of college too. Everybody was talking about you know what kind of leader is he, this and that. And everyone said he's got his dad's personality, and they said his dad was just an absolutely amazing man. So um, obviously a police officer, all that stuff. So well, some people go, Clayton, you mentioned that a lot, and I'm going to continue to because it's important. Um, we it's important that we show respect for and appreciation for uh, the people who protect and serve our communities. 
um, you know, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, all that stuff that put their life on the line constantly. They're running towards danger when everyone else is running away from it. And also our armed forces. Um, you guys know I'm not pro-war, but I'm pro-warrior. And uh, right. those men and women that are just constantly making sacrifices for us to be able to sit here and talk about a silly little game is just, man, it's uh, it's humbling. It is. But it really is. And it's, it's, it's great to see that, you know, um, that that life of service even though, you know, Jordan took a different path than his parents, but that life of service um, is instilled in him. Um, and I, I'm no different. You know, I'm the son of a law enforcer too. My, my father, my grandfather were cops, you know, like that. When you're brought up that way, you it's like Jordan said at the beginning of the season, me second. You know, that's his mantra, me second. You know, you you put others first and, uh, you know, think about someone besides yourself for a change. You know, that's, we could use a lot more of that in the world. So uh, salute to Jordan Love, man, for just – just being a good dude beyond being a great quarterback. Just, just a great dude. Yeah. The band he wears too. Right. Says mm -hmm. I am second. Yeah. I am second. Yep. Cool. It's awesome. Um, on the field though, PFF Packers tweeted this out and said, Jordan love 25 passing touchdowns in the red zone this season. Second in the NFL. Keep in mind that was even with him struggling in the red zone there in that first quarter of the season. So it just really shows you how much he's turned it on here in the second half of the season and, and really the back third. Um, it's just – this is the difference between them winning games and losing games, you know. Red zone defense, red zone scoring. People don't want to hear it. They want to look at all the specific analytics and the DVOAs and this. And, and it's like situational football, it freaking matters. It matters. And I, I was hearing people talk about this Dallas matchup and how it's so important that – that they don't just settle for field goals and you got to go down there looking to score touchdowns because it's going to probably be a track meet. I don't think anybody's expecting our defense to be able to shut down Dallas. They may surprise us and I hope they do, but this is probably going to be one of those games where it's just going to be, you know, exchanging blows constantly. And uh, as that happens, I mean, that, that makes for some really exciting football. Um, I, I don't know. Jordan's just, he's so poised right now, man. It's exciting stuff. Matter of fact, I got another stat here. I know we got Jacob joining us. Jacob, how you doing this morning, buddy? You uh, you snowed in up there? Or you uh, you holding? Nah, up? he didn't get nothing over there. <laughs> I only got like four or five inches. It wasn't anything. What's that? What? Did, how much? Four or five. What? Yeah, four or five inches. That's it. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're expecting one to three down here on Monday. So you guys pray for us here in the South. All right, it's going to get ugly down here. Right. We might, <laughs> get get we might the broom out. Yeah, so uh, – but when you talk about the specific uh, stats there, this was a really cool thing that was put together um, at Badger Noonan, okay, at Badger Noonan on Twitter. Go give him a follow, like, all that stuff, retweet this for him. He said the best chart. So I'm going to try to explain this for those of you on the pod, okay? You've got these different websites now where you can take two different statistics and throw them on a chart together, like an X and Y, right? And kind of show the trajectory, not just the trajectory, but where you land in conjunction with both of those statistics, okay? And what they did was they took uh, win probability 0 to 100%, okay? So you're good. It includes everything there, right? Regular weeks 9 through 18. So this is only weeks 9 through 18, okay? So keep that in mind. Basically, the second half of the season. Um, no playoff games, obviously. A minimum of 304 plays. The four made me go, why did y'all do four? That's interesting. But anyway, 304 plays. Downs 1 through 4, so every down. 
in all quarters. All right. So on the left side of the screen, you'll see running running vertically. You've got EPA per pass or per play. Okay. And that includes passes, rushes, and penalties. All right. So EPA per play. You guys know EPA is a metric SIS is it uses religiously. It's expected points added. Okay. Now on the bottom side. You've got, you know, running horizontally at the bottom of the chart, you've got completion percentage above expected or CPOE. So to explain to you guys what CPOE is, it's completion percentage over expected over or under the expected completion percentage based on historical averages, factoring in depth of target, opponent strength, down in distance, location on the field and game script. So they tried to really, really get a detailed version. Okay, a detailed version of completion percentage, essentially, over what's expected, what's happened historically in those situations. All right, so well, you got that on that part of the chart running horizontally on the bottom, the EPA per play running vertically. Now you put in the quarterbacks and where they rank, okay? Really what you've got here is there's two quarterbacks that have separated themselves from everyone else in the league in weeks 9 through 18. Those quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and Jordan Love. So – if I'm reading the chart correctly, Dak Prescott is at the very, very top at 0.30 in EPA per play, right? But if you go horizontally with completion percentage above expected or CPOE, Jordan Love is significantly better than uh, Dak Prescott in that regard, uh, well over four, and Dak is uh, barely at four. I would say he's probably closer to six if this chart is, uh, is distanced correctly. So what's the point of this chart? Basically, the two best quarterbacks in the second half of the season are going head-to-head -head tomorrow in Dallas in Jerry World. Um, when you look at some of these other names, too, guys, I mean, Lamar Jackson, everybody's talking about he's probably the MVP, right? Now, I don't know, maybe Dak edges him out. I don't, I don't keep up with individual awards very much, right? But Lamar Jackson's significantly lower in both of these in the second half of the season. Maybe he started strong, right? Tua Tungavailoa is third in completion percentage above expected, but significantly lower in EPA per play, which shows you, you know, how that shakes out. Patrick Mahomes, bad year. Look at look at where Patrick Mahomes and Justin Fields are. Ain't that wild? It's crazy. Like, <laughs> that they're so close. But uh nonetheless, poor Bryce Young, man. That's a that's a rough, uh, rough year there with a supporting cast. And now he's got to do it with a whole new coaching staff. So but anyway, what's it what sticks out to you here, Jacob? We'll start with you, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess like you said, it's just that grouping of guys that you wouldn't expect when you hear the name Jordan Love, you don't necessarily group it in with, you know, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. When you look at this, I mean, Mahomes, you look at this chart, and it's not just that he's a little bit better. I mean, he's far and away, far and away. And again, like we keep reiterating that this is still, you know, it's your what, technically year four ish, but you're one of him being the guy. And it's just, I don't know, man. The more, and this is, this is a team that like everybody talks about how young we are. Imagine just again, two years, three years when these guys have built chemistry, trust each other. The injury bug isn't 18 people long every single week. And we're doing this with a, a team that it, it kind of defies all odds. So to me, I mean, I really do think the sky is the limit. I mean, I, I don't know how much farther he can get up on this chart, but um, it's going to be fun to see. Yeah. Tim, what do you think, buddy? Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> The dude just turned it on in the second half of the season. You know, we talked about the struggles early on, and, um, you know, we kind of made the comments that, you know, it's almost something you have to go through as a first-year starter. You know, yeah. you can't, there, there, there's no success without struggle. And, um, you know, 
Jordan is clearly a guy that learns from mistakes pretty quickly. And you can see he really just hit his stride here in the second half of the season and is really just seeing the seeing the game well. Things have slowed down for him. Um, balls out on time, in rhythm. Uh, he's making the right reads, the right checks pre-snap. All these things go hand in hand, and it's it's not a coincidence that uh, he's right up there at the top. I mean, we can talk yeah. about cutter numbers and everything else too, but um, you know, things have just he's on the ascent, and you know, it's what you want when you're going into the playoffs. You want to be hot rolling into the playoffs, playing your best ball. You don't want to be, you know, plateauing or falling off. So, um, at the very least, I, I fully believe we are going to get treated to a, an absolute great game tomorrow afternoon. Um, for sure. You know, I, I disagree with Keyshawn Johnson, who who said yesterday that uh, that the Cowboys were going to boat race the Packers. I don't I don't see us getting boat race, guys. Um, I think this offense is going to go up pretty well against this uh, tough Dallas defense. And we're going to put points on the board. This game's going to come down to uh, our defense playing well and limiting the uh, the explosives on the other end. So uh, I think we're going to get a great game tomorrow, guys. Close game favors us, man. As long as we're in it, we got a chance. Absolutely. You guys, man. you guys think that at the beginning of the year or even before the season started, that if you would have told the average Packer fan that Jordan Love is going to be top one or two in most statistical categories that matter for quarterbacks down the stretch, and he'll be number two in passing touchdowns, the Packers will make the playoffs with the injury bug as it is, with the defense giving up as many points, but hey, we're going to be in the playoffs placing the Cowboys. Do you think anybody, one, would have believed you, and two, would have called the season not a success, but I guarantee you right now there's still half the fan base that thinks that this season, for whatever reason, was a failure, even now, and especially if we go on to lose, and if we do, God forbid, get boat roast by the Dallas Cowboys, who on paper are a superior team. I hate to say it. Oh, yeah. No doubt. It's there's, a good thing the game's not played there, right? Well, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's just I think that we need to take a step back. Again, I've, I've talked about it. I feel such a weird sense of calm going into this game even still because it's like what's the what's the quote clayton we're playing with the house's money son so i'm yeah, throwing baby. down crazy bets and i don't even care i'm not sweating i'm like chris moneymaker with those glasses on dude i, don't <laughs> <even care. laughs> yeah, I think you're right if we just said that you know at the beginning of the year a lot of people would have been oh, like are you sure about that week <laughs> you sure about that week seven you sure if you, about if that you, you can just go back to week six or seven jacob and people were like you know, it's so. I mean, during that that little dip there, and and you know, I look. I'm not going to BS. I was sitting here like, all right, let's see, let's here are the questions we're trying to get answered, right? All right, is Jordan Love the guy? Right now, it's looking like probably not, but we got to give him the whole season. We got to, and you give him the whole season, and boom, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's it's so important to put things into perspective, and you you. All I can think of is Matt LaFleur on that sideline, absolutely livid. I mean, livid on the sideline. You got to give the coach credit. That dude pulled every ounce of good out of this team that he possibly freaking could. And now everybody's giving Aaron Rodgers the, the credit for how Jordan Love's turned out. And I'm going, hold up a minute. Aaron was coming off of, first of all, let's go all the way back. Quarterback coach, Washington. I won't say the name of the mascot because people will get upset because everybody's soft in this damn society. But <laughs> even though I'm a quarter Cherokee or eighth Cherokee, I should say. So he goes, Matt LaFleur goes all the way back to Washington. Rookie of the year, quarterback. He was the quarterback coach in Robert Griffin III, right? He goes to Atlanta. 
Matt Ryan wins MVP, and he was the quarterback coach there. You go to L.A., Jared Goff takes them to the Super Bowl, right? If I remember correctly, Matt LaFleur was the OC that year, right? One of, one of Jared Goff's better years. He goes to Tennessee, obviously didn't do much, didn't have much to work with. He comes to Green Bay. He's in Tennessee one year, comes to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers coming off one of his worst statistical seasons of his career. And bang, back-to-back MVPs. Like 2019, obviously not. 2020 MVP, 2021 MVP, right? 2022, Aaron's banged up, broken thumb, what have you. And now Jordan Love all of a sudden is playing like a top-10 quarterback. Some would say a top-five quarterback. And, it well, now it's just Aaron Rodgers. When, when is Matt LaFleur ever going to get credit for what he's done? That's my question. Because he has literally had great quarter – he has had quarterbacks play great under him every single step of the way other than Tennessee, which I think we would all agree was a complete kind of rebuild, rehaul of that Titans team that year. So I'm not one to throw out like exaggerations like that. But when I seen that come across Twitter and people literally, like somebody tagged me in the tweet and was like, man, look at what he's done so far in his career. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And people in the comments are like, are you really going to give him credit for that? Aaron's the one who trained Jordan. I'm going, hold up. So. Tom Clements. Yeah, like no one else. And, and, here's the thing too, and you guys know I love Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is the first to tell you Jordan loves a real deal. Aaron doesn't say, hey, listen, guys, I trained him up. He's constantly talking about Jordan is the real deal. Told everybody during that stint we were just talking about it. Everybody needs to calm down. Yep. Stop trying to label him as one of the greatest when he does good and stop trying to dog him when he does bad. There's going to be ups and downs, but this kid is the real deal. you got to be patient with it. That's what he was saying on the McAfee show. People choose not to hear that part of the McAfee show, but. Anyway, and they refuse to acknowledge that Aaron was a good basically what we're talking about is Aaron was a good teammate throughout this process. Absolutely. And that's the reason they won't acknowledge that. You're exactly right. right. You know, and Aaron was uh, we all know the story when he came to to, to Lambeau and kind of rubbed Brett Favre the wrong way there with uh, some of his old man comments and things of that nature. And you had Brett talking about, well, you know, it's not necessarily my job to train my my replacement, that kind of thing. Um, everything kind of worked out in the end. Uh, but I think with Jordan, we, we just talked about his character. You know, I'm sure Jordan came here pretty humble and ready to learn, you know, put his head down into the playbook and uh, just sit behind one of the goats and just observe. And you see it in his game right now. You you can't you you're blind if you're not going to acknowledge uh, some of the similarities and Jordan loves uh, approach out there on the field. Um, there are some throws we've seen this year that are very reminiscent of AR 12. So yeah. uh, I think all in all, Aaron, it's not about who who's responsible. I'll tell you who's responsible for Jordan Love's success. It's Jordan Love too, you know? So yeah, I think Aaron was just a good teammate throughout the process and people, people like to gloss over that. Yeah. I think that was, that's where you got to give Goody and Mark Murphy credit. He created the perfect situation for Jordan Love. Might not have been perfect for Aaron. I think we would all agree, although it did. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Cause Aaron to raise his game up. I think that factor comes into play too, but they put, they literally created the fir- the perfect recipe to have another great quarterback in Green Bay. Notice I didn't say Hall of Fame. Notice I didn't say elite. And notice I didn't say just good. I think that's where he's at right now. Second half of the season, he is a great quarterback. And he has the opportunity to step into that top five elite status next year if he continues to play the way he does. But uh, we'll shift gears here and jump over to defense for just a second. I want to hit Jen Wright's comment. She says, Joe Barry shows up, Clayton. Not a screenshot of this. It'll look a little weird when I screenshot while we're live. It comes up a little fuzzy. But someone else tagged me in this or tweeted at me with this. It was at this is Matthew 97 said, Joe Barry's defense facing elimination. Six points allowed against San Francisco January 22nd, 2022. So only gave up six points. Oh, I was at that game. Ah, <laughs> 17 points against Minnesota on New Year's this year. He was actually wrong. He corrected in the comments. It was actually only 10 points, which should have been three because we got a, you know, obviously a muff punt there that led to a touchdown, but we'll say 10. 20 points against Detroit January 8th, 2023. 17 points allowed against Minnesota December 31st, 2023. That's the one right there that he meant 10. I'm sorry. So the other one was obviously last year's January 1st game. And then nine points low, uh, low uh, allowed against Chicago January 7th, 2024. So facing elimination games, Joe Barry's defense has only given up six points, 17 points, 20 points, 10 points, and nine points. So and what's that magic number we always talk about, right? Under 20. under 20. Yeah. Keep it under 20. Yeah. If you if you keep it under 20, you've done your job as a defense. You should be able to win a ball game. Now, do I want one that keeps them consistently under 15? Hell, give me two of them. I'd love that. That would be great. You know what I mean? But Jen Wright, I think you make a great point there. Um, is he perfect? No. Could we do better? Yeah, absolutely. We could do better at DC. I believe that. But this this thought that they're just because people want to dig deep into the the archives to find some kind of analytics to prove they're actually bottom three, uh, and I love following it up with okay, Einstein, you can only pick one. Would you rather have your DVOA or would you rather have points allowed? I'm going with points allowed ninety nine point nine plus point nine percent of the time, personally, because. At the end of the game, they're not looking up going, I wonder what that metric says about – no, they're looking <laughs> at the scoreboard going, did we win or lose? It's just it's just wild. And the situational aspect of football is just it, – it, it gets thrown to the side with these analytics. You guys heard me just – the chart I just broke down. The, the, the deep dive on the analytics is so important. It is. It's just – we lose sight sometimes into what actually matters, and that's wins and losses. But I uh, wanted to recap this too. You know, we talked about this earlier in the year. A couple Packer fans roasted me on Twitter about it. I pointed out that in 1992, when Brett Favre took over in Green Bay after Don Mikowski, you know, hurt his ankle, the Packers went on to be nine and seven. They missed the playoffs, right? 
Then in 93, they went nine and seven again. They lost in the divisional round, 94, nine and seven again, lost in the divisional round. Then in 95, 11 and five, lost in the conference round. And then 13 and three in 96, where they won the Super Bowl, obviously. So I wanted to point out that that 92 team, what if we could get the nine wins? I said, we're tracking nine wins. And a couple couple knuckleheads jumped in there and said, you think we're tracking nine wins? You've lost your mind. I, one of them deleted their account, and I can't find the other one. I tagged <laughs> They're, they're missing what we'll to put his butt on a milk carton, just like we did Adam Shine earlier this year. But really cool to see the parallels here, Jacob. When you go back in history, 92, nine wins, 93, nine wins, 94, nine wins. Essentially, Jordan Love's first year starting, he's one year ahead of where Brett was. And Aaron Rodgers only won six games that year. And I know wins are not a quarterback stat. I got you. Every other statistical category, to the best of my knowledge, for the most part, Jordan Love has surpassed both of those quarterbacks. So not saying he's a Hall of Famer. He's got to put it together consistently. But this is pretty cool to see that we finish 9-7, and seven, um, just like the uh, 92, 93, and 94 Packers did. And I'm telling you right now, like Mark Tauscher said the other day, Jacob, next year we're, we're not going to be able to be this underdog. Next year you watch. Even though we there's a good chance we don't beat Dallas tomorrow, even if we lose that game tomorrow, if we compete next year coming out, people are going to be going, hey, Green Bay's a top three NFC team. So we're the targets right back on our back, dude. What do you think about those numbers, though, Jake? As far as the history, I mean, first of all, if you want to bring that back up, it, yeah. it really is shocking to see in, in my <laughs> literal adult lifetime just the dominance that the Packers as an organization has had. I mean, you look up at that board, what one one losing season basically, um, right? I, that's amazing. And if you were to extend that out another twenty years, basically, you'd see pretty much the similar stats, if not even better. Um, and then we talked about it, you know the quote-unquote youngest team in the league. Well, we have 14 draft picks, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to end up probably being the youngest team, I would guess, next year, but with a really good group of second- and third-year players like we've talked about. And, man, I'm, I'm just super excited about that. Um, as far as just this year and the similarities, it, you can't help but be <laughs> – I mean, we've all seen the comparison stats. I sent one to you guys uh, in the group chat. I can't remember exactly what it was talking about. Wasn't it total passing touchdowns of any team in the organization? I believe it's the Packers by about 100, and then followed by the Saints, the Patriots, and someone else. And it's just – it's unreal to see that that grouping is going to be hopefully another 10, 15 years of people just being like, what in the heck is in the water in Green Bay? What are they feeding these dudes? It's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, another thing, too, that someone tagged me in this morning. Let me get it pulled up real quick. It was about Matt LaFleur. I've got a ton of content for us to cover. And we're, we're just randomly going through the, the Internet here, grabbing the stuff. It's hilarious. Like you um, talked to me earlier, though, real quick. How was how Matt LaFleur not one coach of the year yet? Because well, he had Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying, come on, man. After what you talked about, it's just insane. And it's it, to I me. I thought he should have got it when his first year, when he, when he walked right in here, and yeah. we we went from not making the playoffs, finishing below yeah. 500, and yeah. he in one season turned us into a 13 and three team. Yeah. To me, that that first year should have been shoeing, but yeah, I think this year he ran into you know another great story. You know, the other conference there, D'Amico Ryan's, unfortunately, is probably going to run away with Coach of the Year. Yeah, this and rightfully so. If I was voting, yeah, I, I mean, you know what I mean. I would have to vote for D'Amico Ryans. It's just bad freaking It would almost be cool if they would just separate it, right? You get an AFC Coach of the Year and an NFC Coach of the Year. We, or, uh, didn't, know, Brett that, Barton, Barry cool. Sanders, didn't Brett Favre and Barry Sanders split the MVP one time? No, that um, was Brett and uh, Adrian Peterson. Was it? Yeah, split okay. the, 
they shared the uh, MVP, um, which is, you know, that's another thing we can talk about. Steve you know, let's. What's I know that? Steve Steve McNair and Rich Gannon split it one year. Um, huh. I, I remember that. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, the MVP award is the quarterback of the year award. That's. I mean, <laughs> it's nearly impossible really to is. win an MVP as a as another position player. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe that that'd be kind of cool. I, I feel like Tyreek Hill's in the argument this year for for MVP, and, right. and we all know he's not gonna he's not gonna get it. Right. So um, it's just kind of the way things go. But I, I gotta believe at some point, um, Maddie's gonna get a get a coach of the year at some point. Yeah, you, know? you would think so. Um, this one uh, came from Soren Sodergren, I think, as I'm saying that correctly. Tagged me yeah. in this and said, "Where is the respect, NFL? Matt Lafleur's record." 57 and 30. That's a 655 winning percentage, second only to Don Shula and Vince Lombardi. Um, led the youngest roster in NFL history to the playoffs. Wins the spot. Terrible defense. I like how they try to throw that in there. <laughs> Terrible being top 10 scoring defense. Uh, but still, I like the energy here. Um, revived uh, Rodgers' career at 37, developed Love into an elite quarterback. That's the one where everyone came out. Are you really giving him credit for developing Jordan Love? Who? who? It was crazy as Aaron wasn't even here in the offseason. Like, he didn't come to OTAs. But somehow, some way, he was training Jordan Love here in Green Bay while he – you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing here? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a follow on Twitter. He's a, he's a good follow. Good yeah. content for sure. Good deal. I have good to deal. correct you. I looked it up. It was Barry Sanders. I thought it was Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Well, what year was that that Adrian Peterson got it then? AP came on way later. Yeah, he was in the uh, – when was AP drafted? I want to say it was around 2000, am I thinking right? Yeah. Something like that. But uh, but he yeah, did Barry win Sanders. MVP, right? I'm not, I'm not tripping on that. Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Barry Sanders to this day is still my favorite football player ever. Oh, I yeah. love Barry He was so much fun, man. So yeah, much okay. fun. Um, let's cover the bad news real quick. You want to? If there is any, really, I mean, other than you've got an entire NFL roster on the injury report here, for the most part, I feel like it's good news, Tim. Um, questionable Jair Alexander obviously did not participate since he rolled his ankle, since Rob Domoski put him in a Kurt, uh, what was his name, not Kurt, um, who was the guy, Ken Shamrock. He put, he put him in the Ken Shamrock ankle lock down there at Lambeau or at uh, the Don Hudson Center. So uh, Jair Alexander is questionable. Obviously, you guys know it's a 50% chance he plays tomorrow. Uh, A.J. Dillon doubtful. And as far as Jair, listen, if he's not 100%, if he's only 90%, I don't want him on the field. I'm just being honest with you. But the tape I broke down here recently and the rust that he's still got, now he's going to be trying to make it through with an injury. Unless he's 100%, I don't want him on the field. I don't. I feel like this defense would be more comfortable with with the guys that they've got, minus someone who's going to be hobbled and and then still trying to knock rust off from being injured all year long. That's not to take a shot at Jair. I'm just being real. Like I want the guys that are on the field to be as close to 100 percent as freaking possible. And I don't I'm sure want that'll be. We won't know the answer to that until we never uh, at least an hour before the game at at the earliest. Probably it'll probably oh, yeah, literally game time decision with him. Yeah, they'll hold that one close to the vest. I thought you were talking about him actually being 100%. I was thinking, no, we'll never know. They won't come out and go, well, actually, he, you know. Yeah. We never know exactly how how hurt he is. Uh, A.J. Dillon, doubtful. Obviously, that means um, there's only a 25% chance he'll play. And then Christian Watson is questionable, a 50% chance he'll play. So, I think there's a chance they they take Christian out there, especially with it being indoors. Um, you know, the hammies uh, – 
you know, the hammy can stay warm, a little bit warmer indoor. Obviously, you have uh, less of a chance of tweaking it, pulling it even worse. But obviously, it most likely, I mean, a good chance of it being the uh, the last game of the season with it being a possible elimination game. You just got to kind of lay it all out there. And some people are probably saying the same thing about Jair. Clay, just put him out there, man. What do you got to lose? I'm watching the freaking tape. And it's I'm telling you guys, it's right now, it's, it's, it's a liability right now. Um, and I'm not talking about the ankle. I'm just talking about he, when you watch, when you turn on an explosive play and you go, everyone else on the field is playing zone, but one guy and they get burnt for a first down on third down or whatever it was the sit route there to, it was kind of the, the spot route from, from EQ. It's like, how many times do we got to see this happen before we acknowledge, okay, let's just, let's just go with who's healthy and who's playing their freaking assignments. If Justin Fields had seen DJ Moore on that crosser when they were playing cover three and Jair just completely bailed on his zone, I probably would be buying a new monitor because I'm telling you, bro, I was so freaking mad watching that on replay. Like, how do you how do you have that much freedom within a defense that forget my whole third of the field? I'm just going to sink down on this route. It drives me insane. So, Again, if he's healthy and he's good to go, love it. He played better last game than he had here recently, but still grading out in the 50s as far as like where he ranks in the NFL. I think he's in the, I think he was 51st last time I seen 51st best cornerback. Like let's uh let's be let's be smart about that. On their side though, it looks like Stefan Gilmore was limited the last two practices. He doesn't have a game status, so I'm assuming he's good to go. You got to list the game status if there's a chance they don't play. Um, or else they will uh, kind of do a little investigative work there and, and possibly hit you with a fine for withholding information. But he had a injured shoulder, obviously. The other one is Cooper Rush, the quarterback, a uh, backup quarterback, questionable. Obviously not a concern there. So to me, it looks like Dallas is healthy, guys. So they're going in. You know, obviously this doesn't include the IR guys, which um, you have Diggs, right, their, their, their best corner. Well, was their best corner before this year. Now it's looking like it might be uh, might be bland. But, um, yeah, you're going to be missing him, obviously. But they're still stacked at the cornerback position. Were you going to say something, Jacob? I was because I, I didn't really think about this, and it kind of just gave me a weird feeling. Omar uh, said that A.J. Dillon likely played his last game in Green Bay. Take That's a good point. That could be. I mean, that could honestly be. could be, which is really sad in a way. Um, yeah. I hope that's not the case, to be honest. Yeah, I hope it's not either. And here's the way I see that playing out: it, there's going to be multi. It, it's it's multifaceted, right? There's 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 multiple factors here. Um, what's the running back market look like? It's Dookie, right? Yeah. So that's in our favor. Um, hate it for AJ. Sorry, bub. Uh, I know you're over there farming right now, but we'd love to have you back. I want you back. But if he goes and hits the market, I think what will happen is I don't think they'll just extend him, and I could be wrong, but I think they'll let him test the market. He'll come back with his best offer, and I think there's a chance that you sign him back. What's the number? Let's go around the horn here. Cap hit per year. I'll start with you, Tim. I'll go first. What's the maximum number that you would pay A.J. Dillon to have him back cap hit per year? My number, you got to say the first thing that comes to mind for me, it's three. It's three million per. Damn. Uh, Tim, what's yours? Yeah, I'd be somewhere around that too. Uh, also, Three. keeping in mind though, if any if anyone's going to give this team a discount, it's going to be AJ Dill. Like yeah. you talk about a pay cut or kicking the can down the road, that's the guy that is willing to do that to stay here. Um, I do think there's some logic to the thought that we maybe let him test that that terrible market. Um, 
but I almost think that's a formality because I think AJ knows what's up. I don't think he's going to look around too much. And I don't think something like two or 300 grand or, or even half a million here or variance, you know, he might get a little more from another team might offer you, you know, somewhere in that realm. I don't think that's enough to make him uproot his life and leave, leave Green Bay. He loves it here. He's, he's, he's a Scotty guy now fully bought in. Um, I think a lot of that does contribute to the decision-making um, when, when it comes to a player like that, I think he does hold that in high regard. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it, it may not, the numbers may not be that important here. It may just be whatever they're willing to get done. Uh, AJ is going to sign it, you know? So that's how I feel. Yeah. The majority of the chat seems like they agree, you know, AJ doesn't want to leave. What do you, what do you think, uh, Jacob, what number would you put on AJ Dillon? I mean, I'm, I was real high on my, I would love to do, I don't know. Just say, I, just say, it's, cool, like, it's cool if it's higher. Say it. I mean, I was comfortable with five, like five? Just okay. because, but that'd be an extended deal, I guess, maybe with like kind of a tapering off as he gets, you know, do one of those goody deals where you don't lowball the guy necessarily, but you maybe extend a little bit and give him the option to cut the tie after like a year or two kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but in the same, in the same freaking uh, vein, you know, I really hope that we figure out a way, maybe we just restructure the whole running back room completely because I need Aaron Jones on this team. Um, <laughs> right. if you if you tell me like you got to pick one door and if you, if Aaron Jones is your guy, we have to dump AJ Dillon off a cliff. I'm sorry, AJ. Right. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. That's that's the tough one right there. Just thinking about that makes my head hurt. You know yeah. the the real the real thing we're uncovering here is is very little chance I believe that both of those guys will be right. Packers next year. Unfortunately, Don't say that, Tim. Hey, who knows though? I've been wrong a lot of times and it's worked out great for us. So hopefully I am (laughs) wrong. We'll see. But, you know, hey, uh, Emmanuel Wilson shows some promise. You know, there's there's a little bit of uh, of depth there from this last draft and who knows what's going to happen in this one. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully they do. They keep the guys together one more one more run here. Another couple of years. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, A.J. Dillon, according to Spotrack, his calculated market value is three point five annual salary. So what they did was they compared him to Ezekiel Elliott, um, Perrine, I think, or Perini. I can't remember how you say that name. I think it's Perrine. Yeah. yeah. Damian Harris and Gus Edwards, as far as productivity, uh, age in which they signed the contract, the length of the contract, all that. So what they're saying is, uh, you know, probably one and a half years is what the average came out to. So they're saying three years, 10.3 million, 3.4 per. So a little bit higher than what I said, and a little bit lower than what you said, Jacob. Uh, I think, Tim, you agreed with me, I believe. So we're right there in that ballpark. I would be okay with that contract bringing A.J. back. That's what I'm saying. Like 400000 no big deal, right? Um, and I think he's someone who knows the offense. He's shown that he's effective in the passing game this year. If he had been healthy, I think people would be really, really um, surprised with his passing game uh, productivity this year, especially with Aaron Jones being out. So what would it take to keep them both? And, and, and listen, I'm throwing out just some very loose numbers here, but if I remember correctly, Aaron Jones's cap hit next year is 17 million. Okay. Um, AJ Dillon obviously doesn't have a contract. If we bring him back at three and a half million, you're probably going to, what you're going to do is the same thing you did this year with Aaron Jones. It'll probably be a little less uh, percentage wise amongst running backs. But if you bring Aaron Jones back and restructure his deal the same way they did this year, and what they did was they didn't necessarily kick the can down the road. They said, hey, would you like to take a pay cut? So they converted some of the salary, some of the uh, roster bonus to signing bonus, cut him a check, 
and trim that down to whatever it was. He still ended up being one of the top paid running backs in the league. You can do the same thing if you feel like he's going to stay healthy. I mean, what we're seeing here recently, it gives me more and more confidence that that's the route we should go. So essentially, you could sh- let's say you could shave off $5 million off of his cap hit number and keep him. I think that's a big move for Green Bay, a big move. What if? Freeing up roughly $20 million if Bach isn't on the roster. If Bach comes back, I think you'll still be freeing up somewhere around 7 or $8 million if they restructure. And I'm simply saying there's no way Bakhtiari is going to be playing on a $40 million cap hit next year. It's just not going to happen. So um, I, I don't say it's not going to happen often. I don't see that happening at all. So are you going to say something, Jacob, or no? <clears throat> well, yeah, I was wondering. Um, actually, Carly mentioned something kind of similar to that. So in my head, if you can restructure or I hate to say it, but get rid of Bach at this point, I'm kind of at that point in his career. I just don't know if you keep dumping more money into that guy. But if you simply just wanted to try and keep AJ and AJ, I forgot they're both technically AJ. Uh, But if you wanted to try to keep Jones and Dylan, would you maybe give them, so let's give them a real base, like the 3.5 million base salary, but then have a lot of incentives built Mm -hmm. into that contract. So just a performance base, like, Hey man, you, for every 100-yard game you get, you get another 100 Gs or, you know, something along those lines. Right. If you get over 10 t- rushing touchdowns, you get another 500 grand kicker. Like, really make it that carrot and stick approach kind of thing and really put that incentive there. So, yeah, um, that'd be fun. It'd be fun to watch, too, because, like, we thought about, remember, all the guys that were coming up to possible paydays at the end of the season? It's like, yeah, yo, get that guy the bag, dude. Yeah, what was it Jordan got? Was it something like 750000 for them making the playoffs? I think that was a, he got some kind of bonus. I remember him talking about it. No wonder he's out there shoveling snow and digging people out, man. My man was feeling good. He's like, you kidding me? He's out. Big money was on his way to the casino. (laughs) Don't say that, Tim. That rumor will get started. Look at us. We'll be trending here in a minute. Um, Packers total access said that AJ or said that uh, Jordan Love was gambling at the casino when the team <laughs> traveled to Dallas. So, oh my God, I can hear it now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation for, for sure. As far as Aaron Jones, though, talking about how well he's playing here lately, here's a little Baldy breakdown of Aaron Jones. So, let's hit it real quick. Brian Baldinger on Twitter, great follow, great breakdowns. Some people complain because he's recording with his phone on the screen. I could care less. I can see what he's talking about. I don't care about production quality. I would. Rather drop my ego like some people need to do, shut the hell up, and listen to a former 11-year NFL vet breakdown gang tape. But here's uh, here's Brian Baldinger on Aaron Jones. Running backs get hot, too, just the way quarterbacks do, the way pass rushers do. You watch this right here, and right there, Harrison Phillips is up the field. Right, but it doesn't matter if you made the block, didn't make the block. That's Ivan Pace Jr. He goes low, he makes the miss. But this is what you got to look at. Like, watch him, the contact balance that he demonstrates. So he gets, he gets hit at one yard, and then he gains four more yards. Like, watch. This is contact balance here. This is what we're talking about right now. Like, watch where he gets contacted, and watch where he finishes. All right, they black back right here in this toss. So the contact takes place right here. There. Now watch where he finishes this run. Four and a half yards further. So, four and a half defenders. Nobody has run for more yards in the last three weeks than Aaron Jones. All right. So when you have to defend him here, I like go he back. defend him here, Aaron Jones. Nobody has run for more yards in the last three weeks than Aaron Jones. All right. So when you have to defend him here, like he glides through these holes, glides through these holes. Here comes the blitz. He sees it. It's picked off. Now watch him stay on Jenkins right here. Again, contact balance right there. 
running through the contact, picking up an extra three. He ran for 120 yards against a good Viking defense. And this was the biggest run of the day right here. I mean, Jordan Love under center a whole lot for the play-action game. But then the line has been working together real well. So here's the cut. Now, here's the glide. Here's the free safety Cam Bynum. He's in perfect position to make the tackle, but he doesn't. He runs right through it. And then there's a stiff arm. There's a lot of extra yards when he gets into the alley into the secondary. The Cowboys are going to have their hands full with Aaron Jones. If he gets to 20 carries, it's a good sign for the Packers. There you go. That's the magical number, according to uh, according to Brian Baldinger. 20 carries. You get Aaron Jones to 20 carries, there's a good chance Green Bay coming out winning that game. So uh, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, he's leading the league in rushing, if I understood him correctly, in the last three weeks. So, hey. I'm he's so glad Baldy, Baldy brought it up because I feel like what doesn't get talked enough about with him, with him is his vision as a ball carrier and just – the smallest little seam just to be able to see him find a way to slip in and, and you, you give him just, just a little bit of room and he'll, he'll see it. His eyes are downfield. And then for, for a, a back with his body type and size, the way he protects that football is mind boggling. You just watch him just getting absolutely hammered by these guys and he's not coughing it up. You know, he's, he can be borderline a power back when he wants to. When he gets yeah. that pad level down and you talk about him finishing runs, I mean, it's it's great. Really yeah. great to see, man. Nav in the chat says, people don't realize Jonesy has the sixth highest career average yards per carry of all time. I know there was multiple years it's like, well, Aaron Jones, when we were underutilizing him under Mike McCarthy, it's like, he finished over five yards a carry. Well, that can't they, he can't sustain that. And the next year, you come out and he averaged five yards a carry. It's like holy cow. Um, so uh, solid. Ryan, solid. If you guys remember Ryan from the our very own Packernet podcast, he he says this every year. He's like, because I've been listening to Ryan for years and years now, and he's like, Aaron Jones averaging five and a half. It's not sustainable. Year two, he's like, all right, Aaron <laughs> Jones averaging five point three. It's just it's great, but it's not sustainable. And then the next year, it was like the six average, and he's like, okay. I'm going to stop saying it's not sustainable. He's, like, he's just going to do it, I guess. And I, even, was guilty, you know, I was guilty too, man. I was saying the same thing. That That's not normal. We can't expect that. And he'd yeah. come out next year and do it. But Jen Wright says, Jones retires a Packer or I riot. I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Protect Aaron Jones at all costs there. Um, uh, here's another body breakdown. I thought this was cool. This is a little bit quicker. It's harder to hear. I apologize on the pod, but check this out, guys. Base is high. Okay, the legs are skinny, obviously. But like the, the the feet are in the ground, like you got to have a base. Now you look at the movement though, the movement, like you can see that it senses, it can sense fear, okay. But I think that if you put him out on the corner, like I think he can guard your fastest player. We're just breaking things down here at the hula bowl. <laughs> so he's out at the hula bowl, and he, he caught what was it a flamingo? Is that what that was? A crane? Yeah. What was that? That looked like a crane or crane, something. Yeah. I love it, dude. He's out there carrying a cup of coffee. And I also notice this, too, if I take it back here, if I can uh, find it. I want you to look at the dumpster just randomly in the background. That's what I love about it. He don't care what anybody thinks. Look, look at the dumpster. <laughs> it's like, where are you at, dude? <laughs> got that cup of diesel going, though. Oh, you know, he's got that cup of diesel. Pinky dangling, just like our boy Larry McCarron. Uh, <laughs> hashtag pinky dangle, right? Hashtag it on Twitter for us. Um, what else y'all want to cover? 
we we didn't hit on a quarter of the stuff that I had scheduled, but that's how this rolls, right? So uh, we hit the injury report. We got that out of the way. Let me hit this real quick. Just an injury, simple injury report. Rob Demosky put out game statuses for Sunday game at Dallas. Doubtful AJ Dillon, questionable Jair Alexander, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs is good to go. So Dude. that's great news. Romeo Dobbs is going to be ready to roll. That's, that's exciting stuff. That's there. kind of so, crazy uh, considering he was <clears throat> coughing up blood midweek. Yeah. So, wow, it's a beast. Yeah. Um, that remind that's reminiscent of when uh remember a few years back Jordy took that shot on the on the oh, sideline, yeah. cracked cracked a few ribs and yeah, you know, threw the flak jacket on and played next week. You know, it's like you gotta yeah. love it, man. You can't teach that type of stuff. I don't care what anyone says, you can't teach toughness, man. No. You're you're either cut from that cloth or or you're not. Yeah. United Bates with the super chat. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. He says this is Doug's question. Uh, Clayton, if you put Ja on Lamb, do you basically have to play man across the board, or can you play a football equivalent of a basketball box and one? There's a thing within zone match that's called Meg. Okay, it's called Meg, and what Meg is is every man everywhere you go. Okay, man everywhere you go, and essentially what they'll do is they'll come out and they'll say, "All right, the call is going to be, you know, let's let's." Say we're just going to play a zone defense. Let's don't get into specifics yet, although I'll go down that road in just a second. You're going to say everyone else is playing zone. Jair, you follow him everywhere he goes. That's called Meg. The problem with that is they can manipulate the looks you get on defense. Now, when you play zone match principles, which is essentially if and then. So let's say let's say C.D. Lamb is lined up in the X. He's on the boundary X. Okay, so he's outside, right? Ja follows him there. That's man coverage. Well, let's say they go to a trips look. All right. And you got two other targets over there. So now that's where you get into linebackers trying to cover receivers. And if you're playing zone match, if and then if they cross my face, then it becomes man coverage. Then you're going to have a linebacker trying to cover a wide receiver in man coverage. Right. Not the matchup you want. Also, the run fits. And you think about the run fits. They can manipulate the run fits with the motion now. One of the strengths of playing a primary zone defense is no matter what motion they use, it changes nothing about our run fits. But if they bring Jair in, right, let's say let's say they motion that boundary X into wing and bring him in right between the guard and the tackle or right between the tackle and the tight end even right there at the wing spot in the backfield. Jair's got to come over there. Now he's mixed up in the run fit and watch him get in the way of the mock backer that might have a two-gap, you know, a two-gap assignment there. And they're in there bumping into each other. And now you're susceptible to the outside stretch play. Like there's a ton of different things that come into play when you have, when you play Meg. The other thing, and the reason I mentioned about the the different coverages, think about this way. When you play cover three and you're just bringing four, right? 11 minus four equals what? Seven, right? So you've got seven guys in coverage. Well, now if you have to minus one more, Right. Because he's on he's playing Meg. Now you've only got six guys in coverage. So if you go to play a cover three Meg, you've got three deep and three underneath. One of two things are going to happen. The flats are going to be wide open or that middle hook's going to be wide open because your assignment's going to be one mid zone. And all you need is a trip set to get people out of Meg, because what's going to happen is you're going to overload that mid zone where there's only one defender and the other head you know, flat responsibility. So put yourself on the other side of the ball. If you know there's a good chance they're going to play Meg, I'm showing a ton of trips and a ton of bunch. That's the other thing too. You put him in Meg and they come out in a bunch set, right? And let's say that he lines up on the inside. So he's playing Meg, right? 
or on the outside. Let's say he's let's say CD Lamb is on the outside of the bunch set. You guys know what a bunch is, right? You've got you got basically you've got one receiver and then two behind him, right? And they do a lot of switch concept on the release, what we call switch release. So if he's lined up on the outside and that guy switches inside, he's got to fight through all that traffic while these other two guys are playing zone. So it just makes things way, 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 way more difficult. It's not as easy as just let's let Jair follow him. You can call Meg every single play. The other thing, too, is when you call Meg, even when you're in man coverage, what has Jair been doing? He's been trying to pass him off as soon as the ball snaps sometimes. Everyone else on the field was playing man coverage. And I know it wasn't a, a zone match thing because there was guys that, you know, the, the route concept was like a mesh play. If, if the zone call was if and then, if they go to the flat, then it becomes man coverage. But if they go to a mesh, cross, drag, right, then I pass him off. Then why did Devondre Campbell follow that guy over in the mesh, but Jair didn't? I promise you there's no call in the playbook that says man coverage, Jair, on that side, if they run a drag, if they run a mesh play, you play man, Jair, you let him go. That's why you you seen Jair in the hip pocket of another defender and two guys were covering one because Jair blew that play coverage. Someone in the chat the other day said that uh, someone confirmed that too on another break than a former player. But Meg is what you're looking for. That's what you're asking for, essentially, Doug. And United Bates, thank you for bringing it to my attention. If you play Meg, though, just like everything else in football, you're going to be given something. You're going to become vulnerable in something else. And it's my of my opinion, when you play Meg, you become vulnerable against the run and these bunch and trip sets. Now, it, the other thing that comes into play where you're minus another hat in coverage because he's playing Meg, even though he's technically in coverage, if you're still looking to play the cover three, you're real vulnerable underneath. What we did on the couple of plays that I noticed we played Meg last week, we were actually in a cover two defense. We showed what we call invert two, okay? And essentially with a cover two, typically a cover two zone, the safeties are responsible for deep halves of the field, right? And everyone else is underneath in a blanket zone, essentially. Sometimes you'll have a cover two flat where you'll have hard flats underneath off the corners, right? But if someone's playing Meg, you're losing a hard flat there. So a backer or safety has got to cover that flat, right? But with an invert two, you've got like they – they come out middle field close, right? And it was invert two Meg, essentially. Jair's on the boundary. He's playing man coverage. Your middle safety had to bail out and cover here. And with an invert, one of the corners actually covers deep half. So that's what an invert two is. So what I seen last week was 23 Meg invert two. Um, you can run a cover two because you're minus a hat and you're still staying strong underneath. The problem is just like everything in defense, when you take one thing away, you open another up. When you play cover two, we talk about it. Jordan, remember the huge gasher that he hit Reed on the rail slash wheel route? Some people refer to it as a rail route. Some people refer to it as a wheel. I say a wheel because people are more, uh, I don't know, more uh, familiar with that. Why did you hit that one for 56 yards? Because they were in cover two zone. You can hit the bunkers. You can hit the base. And if you go base on that specific on, on one specific play for the Packers last week, we actually ran on that invert. It was actually Tampa two, Will two, where Quay Walker covered the seam. But guess what? That opens everything up in the middle. My my guess is that his assignment was zone match, that he would stay underneath if the number two or the number three didn't attack the seam. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. If we had a telestrator, 
I could draw it up, make it a lot easier. But hopefully that answers your question, Bates. I apologize if that was too confusing. But I got to run, guys. I got to go to work. I just realized I'm kind of late. All right. Go pack, go. <laughs> hey, get started go later. Go make that money, bro. Go make that money. Hey guys. See ya. Hey, Jacob. But uh, United Bates, thank you for the super chat, bro. We appreciate you, man. Um, Tim, what else you got, buddy, as we get ready to wrap this thing up? Where's I guess that? talking about Jair, um, I I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I think mm-hmm. I think if he's got any gas in the tank, we gotta we gotta throw him out there. Um, you know, say what you want. He's one of the few on the team with playoff experience. And um I personally believe that if we're talking about just CD Lamb, which which I'm glad you pulled this up here. This yeah. is great. Um, we shouldn't just be talking about CD Lamb because Ferguson is no joke. Um, you know, right. Cooks can play, Cooks can cook when he wants to, and and um, you know, Michael Gallup is it Michael Gallup? Yeah, Michael Gallup. You know, that's another guy you got to account for. He's not as deadly as he as he used to be, but. Um, I think when it comes to, you know, a guy like CeeDee Lamb, they're going to move him around a lot. You're going to see him on the boundary. You're going to see him in the slot. I think we need to take kind of a similar approach and we need to throw everybody we can at him. Um, Maybe it is Jair, um, you know, Mod or Meg on occasion. And then maybe it's Keyshawn. And then maybe it's Val. Maybe it's Val. It's, you know, we have to try and get after him by committee, so to speak. I, I, I really, I feel like I say that a lot, but when we when we take that approach, uh, we find success. Um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up when we were talking about the injury report here, staying defensively, um, you know, Zay McDuffie looks like he's going to go and he'll be back in the fold. It's another kind of rotational type of player that that we're going to need. Um, you know, because Quay and Dre, I mean, they're probably our best two linebackers for sure. But you know we're going to need a, a guy to rotate in and uh, you talk about the run fits and you know, the run game, that's Zay McDuffie's bread and butter right there, getting in there and, and smacking someone. So, you know, if you've got fresh legs with him and, and can rotate him in and get him, you know, you know, 15 to 20 snaps or something in this game, it's going to help. Um, same thing with Preston Smith on the edge. I think we need a heavy dose of LVN in this game. Um, we, we need to combine that that veteran presence and leadership and play with the youth and and the fresh legs and, uh, you know, the, the desire to go out there and just hit someone like we know uh, LVN has. So um, I think that's how we need to be looking at this. Uh, you know, we got to throw all all 53 that are well, not all 53, all 40, 48 or whoever, however many dress for the game. I think everyone needs to uh, see the field in this one because uh we need to lean on our on our um, our stars and our studs, but we also we're going to need those role players to come in and and step up in this game. You know this this Dallas team is tough. Um, like Jacob said on paper, they they probably should boat race us, but um, we all know the game's not played there. So uh, in between the lines uh, tomorrow, I think um, you know getting after this Dallas offense um, with everything we got is going to be the uh, the approach I'd like to see rather than just oh, put Jair on C.D. Lamb all day. It's like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be the move, you know. But yeah. I would like to see John on the field. I really would. Okay. And and what to your point here, too, you know, when you look at how he's graded out this year, it's bad for Jair, 68.2, but still grading out as our highest corner, I believe. I don't have the entire roster pulled up, but I'm pretty sure he's still grading out higher than Valentine, too. So, he, according to PFF, he's still been our best corner this year. Um, I'm just looking at those explosives going – and the same guy keeps making those mistakes. It's like you get one or two of those 
in the, in this game against Dallas, and next thing you know, you're down by 14 points. Um, but we may see the Jire that we've seen against the Rams. You know, we might see the healthiest version of Jire if that's the case. And, and that's the thing too. Like Jire graded out as a 73 this last game, so he uh-huh. took it out. <laughs> exactly. He looks like he's trending up. You're welcome, United Bates. I actually had that keyed up there too, Mister Mister Mocky Riggs. Asked for that Strap City. Who? Hey, let's get it back, man. Let's hey, let's play the whole thing. Uh-huh. Took it down the sideline, turned over with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 23. Let's go, Jair. I want that Jair back. Yeah. Hey, and while you're at it, do what Derek Kay's saying. Get Valentine, gets a playoff pick right here. Let's go, man. Let's get hey, the, let's get the rook involved, too. And then Derek Kay said, while we're at it, why don't we get LV in a couple sacks? Let's <laughs> go. Are we are we predicting a dominant defensive performance? I don't think anybody is, but that's okay. We can sit here and talk about it on, on the pod. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um Let's wrap this thing up, Tim. We just hit the hour mark. I think we did. Let's get out of here before they want us to leave. Uh, what what do you what else you got to add to this conversation before we uh, roll out, man? Um, I just think it was great that um, you know we were we were running this clip a lot a few weeks ago. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding? And now we got playoff football tomorrow. Yes, sir. We are there, and uh, I think. I'm going to reiterate my point that I brought up all week long. Enough of this. Um, oh, well, you know, we're we're just happy to be here. It's it's great that we made the playoffs. Isn't that great? No matter what happens, they can't take that away from us. Yeah, that's <laughs> cute. Let's go beat the Dallas Cowboys and shock the world. That's, that's where my head's at right now. You yeah. give yourself a chance to win by being in this game. It's that simple. And if there is a team that's going to blow a playoff game at home to a seven seed, it's the Dallas Cowboys. I firmly believe that. So I think if guys have their head in the game and they bring their A game and we play like we did these last few weeks and we continue this performance, we have just as much of a chance as anybody uh, to beat this team and move on. So uh, I'm fired up for tomorrow. Um, I want to see this young team uh, really go and show what they can do in the playoffs and uh, go pack, go, man. Excited. Be excited, really- people. Don't be nervous for this game. Be, be no, fired up. Fun. Be excited. Like Towser said, you're not going to be able to feel like this next year. We're not sneaking up on anybody next year. Yep. Let's have fun, man. Let's 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 embrace this underdog role like we've talked about doing all year long. I won't name the the Packers podcaster that went on the rant, but there was a rant earlier this year. I'll never forget, man. It was during that that stint where things were down. And can, listen, people, we need to stop talking about playoffs. Can we be, can we be realistic here? This team's not going to the playoffs, and I'm sitting there going. Oh, I hope they give you a big crap burger, man. I hope they make the playoff. <laughs> of course, now you don't hear them talking about it. You know, that's how, how that works. Let's hit. Oh, we're going to give him some. <laughs> we are now. You're right. <laughs> uh, Rob Domofsky tweeted out, Packers signed cornerback David Long Jr. to the practice squad and released running back Kenyon Drake from the practice squad. Long had been with the team for the month of December. And then Paul Brettel kind of expounded upon it and said, with LaFleur saying Jair will be a game-time decision, well, guess David Long was added to the practice squad uh, Friday to be an elevation for Sunday's game. He will provide special teams depth where he saw snaps on when on the 53, especially if Ballantyne has to start. So Paul thinks that's kind of a precautionary, hey, look, mm-hmm. if Jair can't go, you elevate uh, David Long. He can provide some depth on special teams while Ballantyne plays more snaps as a starting corner. Also today, 
We've got football, playoff football already cranking up. Here's a quick look at the bracket. Obviously, um, you know, here are the matchups this week, and then I'll talk about the game times and we'll get out of here. Philly, number five seed at Tampa, the number four seed. You've got the L.A. Rams, number six seed at Detroit, number three seed. Green Bay, the number seven seed at Dallas, the number two seed. And then San Francisco getting that first round by as the lone one seed. Uh, on the AFC side, you've got the number five seed Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans, which are the number four seed. Then you've got Miami, the sixth seed at Kansas City, the third seed. Pittsburgh, the seven seed at Buffalo, the two seed, with Baltimore getting the first round by as the one seed. Now, we look at the, the game times here. Um, in the NFC, you have got the Green Bay Packers going down to Dallas. Let's, let me try to do it in order here. Today, okay, today, Saturday, you've got the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans, a, a 3.30 central kickoff on NBC, okay? That's today, um, the 4.30, the early game, if you will. The night game tonight, the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. It's 8.15 kickoff Eastern, so that's 7.15 for those of you Lambeau time. On Peacock, people are pissed about Ugh, that. Oh, man. That's wild. That's absolutely Let me know how that game turns out. Yeah, such a money grab. I'll tell you this. They're predicting negative 32-degree wind chill factor for that game. It is going to be brutal. And of all the teams that Kansas City gets to play, it's the Miami Dolphins coming down from sunny Florida or coming up from sunny Florida, right? So those are the two games today. Tomorrow, the early game, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills, 1 o'clock Eastern. That's a 12 noon central kickoff time on CBS. They're expecting wide-out conditions from snow. So you're going to get another weather game right there. going to be huge. That will lead us right into the Packers at Dallas at 4.30. That's going to be on Fox, 3.30 your all-time. Um, and then – of course, you've got the late game there for NFC, the L.A. Rams at the Detroit Lions. That's a 7:15 central kickoff on NBC. And then, of course, Monday night, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a 7 central kickoff on ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, ESPN+, and about seven other channels, I'm sure. I don't know why they do that, but there it is. So, uh, yeah, that's how it lays out. I wanted to point all that out because we got football today, Tim. Um, I, I hate the people that don't have Peacock aren't going to see that one game. I have Peacock because I'm a big office fan, um, but you can bet your rear end I wouldn't have bought it to watch one playoff game either. So I understand the people that are pissed about that. It just it's mind boggling that they tried to do that money grab real quick. But um, anyway, with that being said, tonight you're going to get the one of the coldest games in NFL history in Kansas City. That night game tonight, uh, kicking off at 7 Central. And then tomorrow's 1 o'clock game, just getting you geared up for the Packers. You should have blizzard conditions, a chance for blizzard conditions in Buffalo. So it's going to be good, Tim. Got to love that football weather, man. Love his sport. So Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Hey, real quick before we jump off, um, uh, yeah, this popped into my head. We were talking about um, the fact that A.J. Dillon is probably not going to play um, and the possibility that Scoot is going to play is going to be absolutely huge because that's going to free up you know, our ability to utilize, you know, Jaden Reed and uh, even Tay Wicks or Bo Melton in some of these uh, jet motions and out of the backfield kind of swing passes, those type of things. Um, so just Christian Watson, if he can go and be out there, um, you know, split out wide or whatever, just drawing coverage uh, could be really huge for for us offensively. So um, looking for uh, everyone to contribute. Hopefully, uh, hopefully scoots a go for tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no doubt, man. So uh, Derek K in the chat said, give me a John Deere green on a hot summer night. He said, or else Clayton gets this right here. Roadhouse.
I don't want to get kicked off my own stream, so let's go ahead and hit it. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. Hero Billy Bob loves Charlene. Love to see it. All right, guys, we're out of here. We'll be back tonight for Packers Total Access Live. The uh, the plan will be to go live at 7 Central, 8 Eastern. So we'll be going live right around the time the Kansas City game's on. That'll be fun to have it on the background as we talk a little bit more Packers-Cowboys. So uh, big game tomorrow. Tomorrow the plan will be pregame show, postgame show. Um, last week we had a 4 o'clock kickoff, my time. And people were complaining we didn't do a good morning Lambo. So there's a chance we do a good morning Lambo as well. We'll see how that goes, um, seeing that it's a playoff round. But uh, yeah, I caught a lot of flack for that. And you know what? I'm glad I did. I appreciate it because it lets me know people are actually enjoying this. So if you guys enjoy it that much, do me a favor, hit the like button so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your morning. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pack, go.